Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. See how this is? Can you hear okay? Great. Great. Mm. You never know. <laughs> it's interesting what and I hear the the chuckles. Uh, it is kind of that's how the game is is set up, isn't it? Even though we might have all kinds of ideas that we know, or we, we have a pretty good idea of what's in store. But really, you don't know. In fact, I, I, okay, I can't resist. I went back and forth. Should I tell this story? This might, might be enough new people here. If you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're, Old enough, then you've you've heard it on uh, on retreats long time ago, and I've resurrected from time to time about one of my favorite stories of uh, this guy, this uh, in in uh, this rabbi in Russia, who every day he wakes up and goes across the uh, the town square to uh, to synagogue to pray, and uh, passes by the policeman, the Cossack policeman, and. Every morning, they nod. This one morning, the, the policeman was kind of in a grumpy mood, got out of, off on the, out of the wrong side of the bed, and he sees the, the rabbi coming across, and he says, you know, rhetorically, he says, where are you going, rabbi? And the rabbi says, you don't know? I don't know. And the policeman says, you don't know? Every morning, you've been going across this town square to your temple to pray every single morning and you're telling me you don't know where you're going? What, are you trying to make a fool out of me? And with that, he grabs him by the scruff of the neck and carries him across to the other side of the town square to the, the jail. And he opens up the jail cell and I say, I'll show you who you're making a fool of, who you're trying to make a fool of. And as he's put, about to put him in the jail, the rabbi says, you see, he says, you see, you don't know. <laughs> oh well, there are enough laughs that you that a few people didn't hear that before. Mm, uh, as I'm getting started, I, I want to actually mention. I want to dedicate whatever merit uh, this talk to. Um, mm. Okay, to uh, John Travis who uh, today was uh, in surgery for um, uh, cancer. And it went, went well. Um, but I just want to keep him in our prayers. And he's going to be recovering for the next uh, um, month or so, six weeks. So if you don't know John, he's uh, one of the Spirit Rock teachers and a really beautiful guy.
um, who didn't know a couple of months ago that this is what was happening for him. Um, the, uh, the thing that sparked what I'm going to say tonight is uh, an article I read in the, I guess it's the current, yeah, the current Tricycle magazine, Tricycle Journal, by Tan Jeff, also known as uh, Tanisaro Beku, who's uh, one of the main translators of the teachings, the Pali Canon. Um, and he has an article on, it's actually the Brahma Viharas, uh, how the head and the heart work together for the Brahma Viharas. I wanted to share with you a little piece of the article that struck me. He says, uh, when you look at people, you can't see all the karmic seeds from their past actions. They may be experiencing the results of past bad actions, but you don't know when those seeds will stop sprouting. Also, you have no idea what other seeds, what wonderful latent potentials will sprout in their place. There's a saying in some Buddhist circles that if you want to see a person's past actions, you look at his present condition. And if you want to see his future condition, you look at his present actions. Makes sense to some extent. This, however, is based on a basic misperception that we each have a single karmic account. And what we see in the present is the current running balance in each person's account. Actually, no one's karmic history is a single account. It's composed of the many different seeds planted in many places through the many different actions we've done in the past. Each seed maturing at its own rate. Some of these seeds have already sprouted and disappeared. Some are sprouting now. Some will sprout in the future. This means that a person's present condition reflects only a small portion of his or her past actions. As for the other seeds, you can't see them at all. I'll just read a little bit more. This reflection helps you when developing compassion, for it reminds you that you never know when the possibility to help somebody can have an effect. The seeds of the other person's past actions may be flowering right now, but they could die at any time. You may happen to be the person who's there to help when that person is ready to receive help. So at any time, whatever you're seeing in somebody, that often we have some take on, oh, I know who they are. You know, I've met them and I, I know them already for, you know, 
few months or this year. You don't know who they are. Maybe you know who they are at this moment in time. But we all have our process, our unfolding journey. And if we pigeonhole somebody in a particular moment in time or a particular way of seeing them, every time we interact with them, we are feeding and most likely confirming, because we like to think that we're right, confirming our assessment of them. When often what we do is put out a particular energy that brings something out of other people. I've said this many times before. If you're around somebody who's just seeing how you're messing up, It's very easy to be messing up in front of them, isn't it? If you're around somebody who sees what a lovely person it is that they're with and how comfortable and easy it is for them to be with you, chances are you're going to feel comfortable and easy. And each person can have their own assessment of who you are. That person always messes up. Well, gosh, I know them, and they're just so much fun to be with. So we can be both many different people with many, many others around us. And also, we have our own cycles. Maybe one or two of us are familiar with going through a funk period. Or going through a period where it's all happening, isn't life great? You know? And we kind of forget that those are just cycles. And it's not about arriving at any particular destination, but rather, at least the way I see it as far as practice, just know that you're heading in a, in a direction of more consciousness, more kindness with yourself, with the world. But there are these fluctuations, aren't there? Just think of who you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. For some, that's when you were in the, your salad days of youth, and for others, It might be when you were in grade school. Anything change since then? And you couldn't perhaps predict looking back. Chances are it would have been quite an amazing forecast if 20 years ago you had a sense that you'd be right where you are now because you just don't know. You don't know if there'll be a diagnosis that says, oh, here's some news for you that changes your life around. Or you don't know if 
right around the corner, you meet somebody who's going to be a major impact in your life one way or another. Or you don't know if you're going to be humbled in a way that you never realized because of your own situation around you or the collective consciousness of our culture. As I was thinking about this, reflecting about this, it's amazing how we so much, so many of us, especially in our society, dream of fame and fortune. Thinking, that is really cool. That's going to do it. And uh, two people came to mind. One, Bernie Madoff. Now, just imagine. What an, what an incredible ride from, and this so, so often happens, from the, the highest of the high, what is it, the, the, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The, the meek shall inherit the earth. It so often happens that those on the pedestal um, can, in a moment, fall off. And then, of course, the other person who's probably in most everyone's consciousness this last week or so, Michael Jackson. And it's so interesting. You know, I'm, I've been actually woke up four in the morning with Michael Jackson songs going through my head <laughs> today, honestly. <laughs> Which is, you know, I want you back in ABC is probably not what you want to hear at four in the morning, but there was. <laughs> uh, and just what an amazing ride. There, this um, incredibly talented, cute kid who had everything you know, but a childhood, actually. Um, and was the idol of so many. And then the strangeness and the fall from grace. But always, I, I mean, it was so easy to see, he was this little boy inside. Just this really, you know. Confused, perhaps. But there was a sweetness about him. And had to have a, a tremendous fall from, from grace. And then as he's gone, so many people feel the love that they, or appreciation for him. Oh, that's too bad. And here he, he was probably he'd trying his hardest to get back to, you know, the big comeback was coming and working his butt off for it because he so um, yearned for that love and respect. Uh, and here it is. But it's precisely because he's not around that it's here, this outpouring. So strange. You never know. So as 
Tanjef says, when you're working on your compassion practice and there's somebody who just really annoys you, or you just think, what a jerk. And if somebody else was doing compassion practice in moments where they met you and perhaps had some legitimate reason to say, what a jerk, and cut off their compassion practice, or whether or not they were doing formal practice, cut off that, they closed their heart to you because of you acting unconsciously for some moments or some weeks, or some years, whatever. Uh, It both uh, denies who they are and denies your compassion practice. Because they can be just right around the corner waiting to awaken. When When I think of my own life and somehow the... I couldn't have done the navigating, but I was walking through minefields that could have exploded at any time many years ago. And just by the grace of God or Dharma or my karma or whatever, I don't know how, amazing grace, that led me to uh, be as fortunate as I am now. And I know friends who weren't so fortunate. Just a full flowering is ready at any moment. That's the, that's the wonderful thing. At any moment, we can wake up and have that amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, and now I see. At any moment. That's, that's why... In Buddhist perspective, I'm I'm so um, appreciative of the fact that ignorance is not not anybody's fault. It's just not seeing clearly. It's the ignorance that doesn't know any better. And that at any moment when you see, oh, that's not where real happiness lies ripping people off, or being uh, nasty, or self-centered, or whatever. We're just all creatures of habit. But at any moment, you can wake up and see, oh, this is how the game is played. Oh, wow. And so we can't count anybody out from that possibility both for their sake and for our own development of an open heart. I know uh, I know a couple with a uh, with a a young, uh, a young adult, uh, uh, their daughter, uh, who's uh, just a really uh, lovely 
human being just growing. And the, um, the mother is seeing how beautiful her, her daughter is and just how she's flowering just in her own time and how, how proud she is of her. And the father, as much as he loves his daughter, is so often worrying about how she's going to blow it or how she's not going to make it or how she can, yeah, she's a pretty good kid, but she can, but this is wrong and she, she doesn't take, get this together in her life. And the relationships that they each have with her is just you know, quite striking. It's like that, that analogy that I, I said earlier, where the, the, the daughter around the mother is you know, just feeling like judged and awkward and, and kind of like you know, frustrated. You know, gosh, why does she, why does she get on, off my case? And the, the father is saying, what a beautiful kid you are. And the daughter just shines. And they each have their own reality. And the, 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 the mother is saying, gosh, why is she so much better? around you. It's all how we hold people that, or not all, but to a large extent, how we hold people, what we bring out in them. So don't give up. Don't give up on people. You could be the one to bring out the best in them. But you have to envision their potential. Um, And as... The Buddha advised, even when somebody is being really unskillful, nasty, cruel, he said, as a practice, not because you're necessarily going to change them, but as a practice, keep your heart open to them. There's a, a quite an amazing discourse that really pushes the, the limits of this called the simile of the saw. And if you don't know the simile of the saw, it's if somebody is cutting off your limbs, he advises, keep loving kindness in your heart towards them. Try that for a practice. <laughs> He's not saying, oh, aren't they wonderful? Or, oh, yes, forgive and, and forget. But he's saying, for your own well-being, for your own practice, for your own development of heart, that your frustration and your anger and your Hatred uh, is poisoning you. You're the one that's poisoned. Now, that's quite a stretch, of course. And the first time I read that, I said, oh, come on. Are you kidding? But it's just a pointer. It's a pointer to see, in order to keep your heart open to them, 
you have to understand that we are all uh, just creatures of our karma unfolding. And if people could do better than they are, they would. Nobody wants to be uh, a heinous, awful person unless they learn that that's where happiness lies. And many people do, unfortunately. But it's all, so much is what we've been taught, what we've taken in, besides our own propensities. If people would, could do better than they are, they would. If people really knew where happiness lie, they'd cultivate that. So here's a, a practice that uh, Tan Jeff has. Again, from the Pali Canon, he, he quotes it. He says, the, the Buddha provides a, gra- a graphic analogy to remind you of why the approach of keeping your heart open and looking for what's good is not mere sentimentality. He says, if you see someone who's been really nasty to you in his words and deeds, but has moments of honesty and goodwill, it's as if you're walking through a desert, hot, trembling, thirsty, and you come across a cow footprint with a little bit of water in it. Okay, now this, this is in the days, just imagine you're walking across a desert and you're dying of thirst. And there is some water in this puddle. Okay, it's not the most uh, hygienically uh, inspiring, but if you're dying of thirst, what do you do? This is from the, the, the Pali Canon. He says, you can't scoop up the water with your hand because that would muddy it. Instead, you get down on your hands and knees and very carefully slurp it up. Notice your position in this image. It may seem demeaning to have your mouth to the ground like this, but remember, you're trembling with thirst. You're dying of thirst. You need water. If you focus just on the bad points of other people, you're going to feel even more oppressed with the heat and the thirst. You'll get bitter about the human race and see no need to treat it well. But if you can see the good in other people, you'll find it easier to treat them skillfully. Their good points are like water for your heart. You need to focus on them to nourish your own goodness now and in the future. So it's just to, it's what you focus on, to see the potential. When you can see the potential, and this is a, a lifelong practice, looking for that still small voice in there, that, that Buddha that's right inside, in the midst of a desert, there's a little bit of water that you've got to really hone in on and drink from. And that nourishes them at the same time. 
he makes also the point that with mudita practice, if you're, you know, sometimes with mudita, that, that this day long that we're going to be doing in another week or so, where you wish happiness for others, it's a really great practice because it just, as you can cultivate it, you're just bringing out the best in not only them, and in your, but in yourself. As you're cheering, you know how good it feels to cheer somebody on it's such a, a beautiful, selfless quality. Yeah, go, go. I'm with you. Come on, you can do it. And then they, as they shine, how great that feels. Some people, it's easy to do mudita practice for. You say, yeah, go, mm, cool. And other people, mm, a little bit less so. As uh, Montaigne, the French philosopher, has this line, I... I like, he says, that there's something not altogether displeasing in the misfortune of our friends. <laughs> Just that, yeah, how come they've got it all? And, oh, gee, that's too bad that that happened to them. And if you are envious of somebody and you are saying, well, why should I give them Mudita, why should I wish for their happiness? If I wish for their happiness, then they'll be that much more fortunate than I am. I'm still stuck here, and I'm wishing for them to take off. That's weird. But actually, um, you never know, for one. They could be having their big fall or tragedy in the next moment, and you wouldn't want to trade places with them for anything. But also, um, if you're resentful of somebody else's happiness, on a karmic level, chances are, as you are prospering and succeeding more, there'll probably be some people that are resentful of yours. Um, Who knows how karma works, but you can see how... Uh, unfortunate that would be if your success creates some resentment in other people. It'll happen anyway. You cannot please anyone, everyone, and people can get jealous. But what a, what a sad kind of thing. If you're feeling joyful and somebody else is saying, that's not fair. How wonderful it is if you keep that in mind as there, whoever it is that you are seeing succeed, that you can root for them, root them on, and say, yeah, how wonderful. And just in that wishing them well, you're also planting the seeds for others to wish you well, too. That's often how it works. Think of, think of people you know who maybe are naturally there just rooting and wishing for others' well-being. Think of, you can think of somebody in your life who's just, say, really in your cheering section or who's just naturally wanting to see others shine. Can you think of somebody? How do you feel thinking about them? You want to see them shine, don't you? Yeah. Come on. It's like we're all in this together. So you can create your own cheering section 
to some extent, by being in everybody's cheering section. That's how mudita works. Not that you're doing it in order to get a big cheering section, of course. And in fact, if you do it for that, you probably have a very small cheering section. I'll root for you, you root for me. Please. Root a little harder, please. But when it's just a a natural outflow and saying, yeah, how good, there's more happiness in the world, people just want to see you happy. I I love mudita practice. So um, anyway, I'd like to just uh, uh, have us reflect for a few moments and then we can open up to a, a discussion. If you go inside, and uh, just as a way to practice uh, this in a tangible way that you you might get in touch with playing around this week or so, think of maybe somebody in your life who you're freeze-framing, who you're holding in a particular way that says, oh, I know who they are, or they'll never change, or they bug me. Somebody who's hard for you. We all have people who are hard for us. Some people that we only know from, meet from time to time and others that we are around a lot. And in that familiarity, we solidify the, the view just for a moment, realize that you might be holding a view that locks them in. And then see them in, a, um, in another moment, maybe a moment that others might see them in, say with their pet or their child or their, their good friend a moment where they're thoughtful or kind, a moment where they're at ease and playful. And if that seems that it's not even possible in their repertoire, just imagine that they have latent karmic seeds that can sprout. And as that initial point being that you just see one slice of their karmic unfolding at any time, see the possibility, see the Buddha right in there, Buddha or Kuan Yin or Christ within. And just open to the fact that you never know. They might have a beautiful, full flowering and in that touch so many other people as they wake up. And that you're 
kindness and caring might be just what they need. And see for a moment what it would be like to open your heart to them with either compassion for their pain or mudita for their joy, just a basic goodwill and well-wishing to not count them out. Not count them out, not only for their sake, but for your sake. It's your practice. You might envision what it would be like to keep your heart open to them next time you're around each other. Might mean taking it in small doses, but that's okay. Just a shift of possibility. You might envision that they can somehow pick up your goodwill and are touched by it. See in your mind's eye what that would be like for both of you. Because you never know. So, I'll stop here. Any comments, any reflections, questions? About the topic or about practice? Pass it behind you. Um, I'll ask the question anyhow. The 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 question was that um, you uh, well, we often talk about seeing things for what they are, mm-hmm. um, and in some senses, this okay. is seeing things for what they could be. Or c- can you just comment on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good question. Both are true. You see things for how they are at the same time as seeing the potential. It doesn't mean that you put yourself in harm's way or that you uh, aren't aware of your limitations, but um, it's acknowledging this is where this person is, and still seeing the possibility in them. They work together. Here. 
Um, I've been reciting to myself this Mary Oliver poem, and I'll just say the, and it's the first two lines that have just been going over and over in my mind. For some reason, it struck me, but um, it's you don't have to, you do not have to be good, you do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And for some reason, that really softens me, and then it really softens whatever anyone else is doing. <laughs> also, whether it's towards me or the rest of the world, I just realize, I feel like, wow, they're just out of touch for the moment with what they really love. I just feel that I and and somehow when I'm in touch with, oh, I've gotten away from that, then I can understand that people get away from that. and. Yeah. You know, it's a, and we can just be there to bring, facilitate or whatever, bringing ourselves and them back to, you know, and it's about being embodied for me too. I need to feel it in my body, not just like mm-hmm. set the intention in my head, but there's yeah. something about that line about yeah. just letting the soft animal of my body love what it loves. It just all of a sudden I kind of melt. And And what you're also seeing is, as you, as it's easy for you to get disconnected from. From that, it's uh, every time you get disconnected from it, that is. Uh, that doesn't have to be, uh, a uh, a moment of of waste or frustration. It can be a moment of illumination. Oh, that's what we do. That, not just taking it personally, but. Like I can get disconnected, so can they from their, their true heart and their, their true love. So that's where compassion comes in. We're all in this together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Lisa. Hello. Hi, Lisa. And. Uh, This is reminding me of something that um, uh, kind of came to my girlfriend and I in discussion is that we judge judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, Unless it works the other way. Sometimes it works the other way. We judge them by their intentions and us by our actions if we're beating ourselves if up. If we're beating ourselves up. Yeah. You know. Right. Or not, I'm not even usually concerned with them at that point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's all about me. <laughs> um, Sorry. I exist. Yeah. Yeah. We judge others by their actions. Others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. And so I... It's most often in retrospect that I can do that, and that, and really, why am I judging them? Their actions is because I'm in self-protective measure, protecting myself from their actions. So, off, more often, it's in retrospect when I've stepped back. It's very rare in the moment that I can do that. Is that I just touch in and assume the best of their intentions, and that just like in the moments when my intentions come out in completely left field. <laughs> my actions come out left field from my intentions. 
that maybe that's what's happening for them as well mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or as uh, you just reminded me, Sylvia Borstein uh, uh, has this line. I, I went with my mom uh, a few years ago to a Wednesday morning when my mom was in town. Uh, and she liked Sylvia. And uh, Sylvia had this, uh, in her talk, she had this line that just floored my mom. Sylvia said, you know, sometimes it occurs to me, I could be wrong. <laughs> that was like revolutionary to my mom. We have, we have talked about that since, you know. Wow, I could be wrong. Huh? You know, it, we had a lot of fun with that. But it's a rare time that we, we realize that to ourselves. Oh, I could be wrong. We're so busy being right. And it, it's, there's such a price to be for being right. Uh, often it means that we miss the truth, uh, or at least the larger truth. We're in touch with our truth, but mistake it for the truth. That's a, a big mistake. Yeah. Is it somebody else? Yeah. All right. Hey, good to see you. James, I would only add to this. Um, well, the thought occurred to me that I've tried to practice this over a number of years, and I think it's, I have to remind myself, it is a practice. So, whereas in the past it hasn't felt very natural to me. Like if a friend tells me a wonderful thing that's happened to them, and I say, that's great. I'm really happy for you. I may not have felt that entirely, but I have faith. I really do have faith that that is the best response. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's almost like I'm trying it out. I practice it. Mm-hmm. And what I found is over time, I actually start to feel that way, truly, or, or as deeply as I want to. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a practice. Beautiful. Thanks so much for saying that. It's, uh, it's just like the metta practice. If you've ever done so, uh, some in- intensive metta, you know, you're saying, you know, may I be happy, may I be peaceful, may I be filled with love. You know, yeah, right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> or who are you kidding, you know. May I be safe from inner and outer harm? Get off it, you know. And then day after day after day, as you program yourself, it starts to kind of sink in on some level. It may, it's, it's kind of like it's touching that place inside of us that knows, and it takes a little excavating or drilling to hit pay dirt to that place that has always wanted to open the heart. And it's a practice. And even if you get a little glimpse of it, a little glimmer, if you're saying, oh, that's great, and 90% of you is saying, oh, shoot, how come them and not me? Focus on the 10% that really is saying, yeah, it is great. You keep on focusing on that, and that's what you energize and empower. So it's a lot of patience, a lot of sense of humor, and... uh, a lot of uh, good intention, keep on doing it. That's how it works. That's what, and the Dalai Lama says, you know, if you want to look at your practice, look over five or ten year periods, not, not last week or last month, and see, oh yeah, there's a shift that happens. Little by little. 
Louis, in the back. Raise your hand. Uh, yeah, I was uh, trying to think of a time when I received some of that that kind of blessing was from uh-huh. another person. Uh-huh. Put it a little closer to your mouth. Yeah. Uh, I was about uh, 20 years old or so mm-hmm. and in pretty bad shape and not thinking much of my chances in the world and so on. And uh, an older man approached me and sat me down and just talked for a while. And he had that kind of uh, compassion that you're talking about. And he opened some doors that, I mean, I still remember that. Yeah. It was powerful. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Is that Ralph? Are you Ralph? Yeah. Ralph, hi. That's how it often works. Can you remember when somebody was a really kind ear or heart for you when you were really lost? 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and they might have no idea the impact in their life, in your life. In the same way, just a, a few moments, I, w- I remember Ajahn Amaro, who, who comes in, uh, a wonderful teacher, he comes here often the first Tuesday of the month. It was, uh, it was this article I read uh, about him, maybe it was an inquiring mind, where he he, he had been in Thailand and uh, living a kind of uh, hippie traveling bum existence and, uh, and, and really not so happy. And he had a conversation. No, I don't even know if he had a conversation. He saw somebody meditating um, and he was so moved by the, the peace in that person that he decided oh, maybe that's what I need. I've tried everything else, and it's not working. And he writes about that person changing his life, and that person has no idea. You never know. You could be that person for many people. All you need to do is take a little bit of extra time and really listen to that being in there who's reaching out, and you could change them. There's the seed waiting to sprout. Thank you. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, close with a loving kindness. Breathing in and out of your heart, breathing the goodness in life, the benevolence in life surrounding you. It's here for you if you invite it and allow it in. Breathe it in, let it touch you right through your heart and touch your whole being. Awaken that goodness inside. As you breathe out, extend it out, surround yourself and radiate it out to be shared. And as you say phrases of well-wishing, just imagine that they're watering all the beautiful seeds inside. 
that are waiting to sprout. All the goodness that's your true nature waiting to be expressed. May I feel all the goodness inside and share share it, share my love well. May I touch the peace that's inside and have more and more access and share that with the world. And may I connect with the wisdom, with the Buddha that's inside, that understands and sees clearly and awakens to the truth of things and shares that with the world through my being. All of those good seeds waiting to sprout. And then extending them out as they touch everybody and wish that for everyone. May all see their goodness, feel their peace, awaken to their wisdom and their true nature, and know the highest happiness. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings find happiness and peace. Thanks for your attention. Have a great week. Spread your goodness and well-being and stack the chairs very carefully. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.